0: Hello and welcome to our Secular Sponsor Speaker Series. Each week we hear from an Overeaters Anonymous member who has obtained and maintained abstinence without God and has served as a sponsor to other members. The series also provides opportunities for Secular OA members who don't have a sponsor or are interested in exposure to a variety of points of view to learn from the experiences of others. We encourage everyone to sponsor others up to the level of their own recovery or to use these tools with each other as peers. If you're willing to sponsor or to work as a peer, please post a message at oasecularforum at gmail.com. For additional information about abstinence without God, go to secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's Secular OA sponsor. The topic for today is... um, listening skills and the first thing I'm going to model is just noticing that um, I'm very nervous wow there are a lot of people here yeah I just I've always as many times as I've spoken in public I haven't done it for a while and I I get nervous so for so I wrote this all out and I'll uh, post it in the chat afterwards so you don't have to if you're inclined to take notes you don't have to to do that I wanted, so arguably the most important thing that a sponsor does, I know this is true uh, for me with my sponsor, uh, is to listen to us. You know, I think, I mean, I guess, arguably there's on purpose because you could say that the experience, strength and hope is the most important and that's obviously really important. But one hugely important thing that uh, sponsors can do for you is just listen. You know, uh, so often we find out that we already have the solution to our own problems. There's a saying that um, I've heard many times, you know, how, how do I know what I think until I've heard what I have to say? You know, in other words, until you actually talk something through, you don't, don't know what's, uh, what it is that you really think about a subject. So oftentimes it's uh, that uh, the sponsor just by listening to you or another member you don't have to be a sponsor in order to listen to somebody. And one of the purposes of this workshop is to encourage secular overeater people to listen to me, to serve, provide more, more of the support that we get from sponsors to, from each other. Because one of the reasons for um, having these workshops is that is that there aren't enough sponsors to go around. And I think that's often the case. Uh, but it's certainly true in the secular world, the secular part of OA. And so we're encouraging people to try and provide, you know, sponsor light, uh, accountability buddy, food buddy, listening buddy kinds of support. We talked last week about setting up these um, uh, recovery circles where basically people just take turns uh, listening to each other. Um, And so a really important service that we can provide to one another is just to listen to each other and talk about what we want to talk about and to express whatever feelings we have about that topic. So OA is provides the basic model for this already in our meetings. You know, we, at least all the ones I've been, through, been to in a long period of time, is we use, we provide timed, uninterrupted turns listening to one another. We call them shares. It's not... And I, I would argue that this is one of the great inventions in human history, <laughs> to use a timer to kind of manage the flow of conversation back and forth so that people actually do get a chance to listen to one another. And my goal really today is for us to encourage the use of that share tool outside of the meeting so that uh, two of you can do this for each other or your sponsor can do this for you. or You can ask your sponsor so it's worth noting that in um, other twelve steps programs, this is not the norm. I don't know if that's not the norm, but there are many twelve step programs that don't follow this kind of time turn uh, kind of approach. The only other meetings I've been to, and in, in not a whole lot of them, are AA meetings. And AA meetings, um, they do more of a popcorn kind of style. There might be a speaker, but uh, people, um, and there people here from AA and from other fellowships, and they can talk later on about when this is accurate. But I know it's not universal, at least in some of those other programs, or as universal as it is in um, OA. So people pop up and talk, and what you find is true of human nature in general, people have what one psychologist called a basal interaction rate. <laughs> some people talk a lot, <laughs> and other people listen a lot. And so in those meetings where they use a pop style, the same people tend to pop up and, and, um, and pop up and speak. Now, if they were all the ones with the most sobriety, the most abstinence, that would be good, but that's not in my observation, uh, been the case. People just, some people are used to, uh, talking more. And so this, but this basic idea of taking time turns is not unique to OA. I mean, I, I, was involved in i'm involved in another uh program where we take timed interrupted turns and i did a big project for five or six years where we did residential workshops with thousands of people it's these are all young veterans coming back from iraq and afghanistan and it's that's still the basic modality is you take turns you listen to each other and uh, you don't interrupt and the this. with the spin that you encourage people to express the feelings that they have about what they talk about. Um, And that it worked really well. So sometimes in other places, these are called listening turns or sessions. Here we call them uh, dyads or pairs. Here we call them just shares. So at an OA OA meetings, the listener doesn't have to say anything uh, when somebody else is uh, sharing. Usually enough, just to look at the person talking, make eye contact, have a reasonably pleased expression on your face, make noises like "uh-huh, uh-huh" when they're talking, and if you're going to say anything, summarize or paraphrase. Basically, you're trying to help the person go in the direction they want to go in themselves. Uh, up to the point where, in in a, in a sponsorship relationship, you know, is, is there a point where you have to go over into advice sharing, and you could? sharing experience, strength, and hope, and you could stop it. But I'm arguing that there's something useful about if you've got three minute three minute share, five minute share, that you complete that and then go and do the advice giving, the sharing um, after you've done that. One thing, if the silence really bothers you, if the person's not talking, it's always useful for people to tell their life story uh, in general, but certainly about food, talking about your earliest experiences with food. So that's that's something you can always go back to, and I try and have sponsees do that with me, so I kind of have some sense of where their food hang-ups came from. Um, the interesting thing that you know we know is that if you listen to somebody talk for a while, they will tend towards topics which have some kind of emotional meaning to them, some kind of feelings kind of content. And if you keep listening there'll be a tendency it's not every time and it won't talking is fine just listening to somebody talk is fine but it's often the case that people will get express emotions and we've had it happen on the, the zoom meetings i assume most of you have been seen it happen in meetings where people will start to cry during uh, uh their share during a session and that's the big mistake in society in in the in a, in a meeting, that's fine. Nobody interrupts. In the wide world, outside um, of an OA setting, if somebody starts to cry, there's a, a, almost a, a compulsion to try and keep the person from crying. Um, outside, they'll give them all kinds of treats to, you know, here you have a about a chocolate bar. When I was working with those young veterans, uh, bottles of Jack Daniel's bourbon was the preferred way of Keeping somebody from crying, and so the the suggestion that I just make to you, if you're doing a listening with uh, a listening term like this, is that it's okay, and that's the way O A generally treats it. If somebody starts to cry or shows a little anger or terror, that's cool. Um, you let people do it. The timer goes off, and then they stop. Um, and that's the way it can work in a sponsee relationship, um, also. And, you know, it, if people are sad, if they're talking about something sad, they tend to cry. Uh, if people are um, scared, to talk about something scary, they'll often giggle or kind of have light kind of laughter. Uh, in the extreme, people actually have a cold sweat and they kind of tremble a little bit. Um, anger, people get flushed, their face turns red, they get warm perspiration. Sometimes people just yawn. So there are like physiological things that often happen when people are talking about um, emotional topics and, you know, and that's, so there seems like to be a physiological aspect to a whole lot of, to, to emotions in general. And that's a good thing as near as I can tell. And I've been with lots of people who've done it for a long time, you know, that after you've, express some feelings about a subject, you often think more clearly about the thing you were talking about. It kind of like clears your head. They always say, you know, you need to have a good cry or you need to, you know, let off some of that steam. And there seems to be something to it that your brain actually, you think more clearly afterwards. So it's kind of a plug that if feelings come up when you're doing this with a sponsor or, or your sponsor is listening to you, that that's something that's to be prized, kind of rather than stopped and and uh, ended. People will tend to talk oftentimes about things that happened, times when they felt the same way in the past. Well, you know, if you if you suffer a loss, that somebody dies, you tend to oftentimes bring up things that you know you've had a loss in your in your life before, and so all that's you know that's okay. It's not off topic. Your brain's doing what it needs to do, and your sp- as a sponsor, you can sit there and listen to it, or as a peer listener, we talked about in those recovery circles. You can—that's um, good. Obviously, there you're not going to—you're not going to interrupt, and if you set it up this way with a sponsee, you don't, uh, or your sponsor, you don't interrupt either. It is true that if people are getting emotional in a, a share, when you know, not in a meeting, but otherwise, it is good after their their time is up you've agreed on to have them notice something that's going on around them, something in the present circumstances to kind of get their attention off of whatever they were talking about. And I've, I've, I'm undecided whether to, I was a little undecided about whether to go into this, but just to be clear, this is not a substitute for therapy. OA is not a substitute for therapy. And If somebody brings up something that's really deep and you you just don't feel like you're equipped to listen to it, it's perfectly okay to say, "Nope, (laughs) gee, that's that's real." And there are twelve. The thing, the thing that comes up in OA fairly often is uh, early sexual abuse, and there are programs. There are twelve-step programs for that, but also professional help is probably important to get. And so it's perfectly appropriate to just say, gosh, that sounds pretty high, pretty something you need to uh, get some other support from. So it's not like you're supposed to be the solution to everything. And in the extreme, like what I was doing with those young veterans, if somebody talks about something, you know, like suicide's the obvious one, you dial 911, you know, if it's so, if somebody's got a plan and a talk about, well, you know, plan and and the means to do it, that's what you do in real life. If somebody came up to you on the street and you were talking, you listened, you learned about that, you heard about, you know, you'd take advantage of the resources of a larger society. And I just want to, you know, since we're encouraging people to dive into feelings, to make sure that we have, you know, sort of our boundaries about it. The only other thing I wanted to say is that the power of this kind of listening is really enhanced by similarities in kind of background. And, um, that's what you get in OA. You have people, we have this common problem, this common addiction. And so it's very powerful to talk and be listened to in that setting. And that'll, that's true with sponsors and sponsees. But it's also true that the other similarities add to that. And that's the reason that you have, we have men's groups in OA, we have uh, African heritage groups, we have LGBTQIA uh, T kinds of uh, groups. And it's more powerful when you have a chance to talk about it uh, with somebody with a similar situation. And, you know, in the wide world, there are grief support groups and divorce support groups and and things like that that take advantage of that. So I guess the main thing is we have, among the other things in OA, we have this incredible gift. We've been instructed how to be good listeners to one another. And I'm just encouraging us to take that and sort of expand it within the sponsorship relationship or within the peer relationship. So you have this kind of um, these listening peers. I would. We've got some experienced sponsors on the line, and I want to encourage people to, uh, you know, those sponsors in particular to chime in with, uh, you know, because I'm kind of advocating a particular kind of thing. And, you know, so my experience is one thing, but other people's experience is there. So any uh, questions?
1: Jim, I could just share a couple of thoughts about listening. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, this is Rachel. I'm in Northern Virginia, for those of you who care. (laughs) And I'm basically a compulsive eater. I guess the couple thoughts I wanted to share about listening in general is that when I listen, um, I try to listen for the person's feeling. And then I also, when I say something, right, one of the, sometimes it can be very powerful, very helpful just to tell them what I hear. Like I hear, you're having a hard time or I hear you're confused, right? So just to let them know that you were listening and what you heard, it's very kind. It can feel good, right? To be acknowledged in where you, where somebody is. And I really appreciate it when somebody does that to me, right? They don't have to solve my problem. Um, Another thing I listen for is like, do I have relevant experience, strength and hope? And then I really try, and this is an issue for me, I really try to then talk about my experience, strength, my experience, and not to say, well, you should or you can, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I screw up. But um, I think that's, I like it when somebody else what, tells me their experience and doesn't, like, make me feel like I'm on the spot. So I just offer those two ways of responding in speaking that have been helpful for me that I think have been um, nice in my relationships with people and I loved the breakout <laughs> so that was all I wanted to
2: to add And um, hi this is Maura and I'm a compulsive Over-eater. I'm not a sponsor so I should say that um <laughs> but I wanted to kind of uh, just put in some stuff around listening because Part of what I do when i 'm coaching people is some stuff around conflict and how to um, relax into conflict and all of that kind of stuff and um, But when we listen to each other, we ha- probably haven 't had good role models. Like, do you know what I mean? Your mother's probably thinking a million things another when she's asking you stuff about how was school when you were a kid and so on. So we've not had good role models usually in the past. So our challenge is to look at if you're listening to somebody, check in with yourself and say, am I listening to agree, disagree or understand? We don't have very many good role models that teach us how to listen, to understand if we're ready to have an argument with somebody, we're listening to disagree. If we're kind of on the pool in a pub on a Friday night, we're listening to agree regardless of what the person's really like. So do you know what I mean? So it's kind of, um, we have agendas very often in listening to another person. You know, if you're listening to your boss, you're listening to agree because it could be career limiting not to. So so if you check in with yourself Am I listening to agree, to disagree, or to understand? And the hardest thing in the world is to understand, um, which means letting their stuff into your head and not having a prescription on top of it.
0: That's very helpful, Mara. And I just wanted this, we are recording the Q&A just for audio, and I'm delighted, especially given the first two great uh, contributions. So anybody else, uh, sponsors for sure, and anybody else uh, on um, on this subject? Or it can just be a question, but those were both so helpful.
3: Um, what I found was oh, sorry, Dharma, compulsive What I found doing that exercise was um, I really wanted to respond to what my partner was telling me, just to say, oh, how sad or very sorry to hear that or something like that. Uh, really to encourage them to keep talking uh, it just felt very strange to sit there and not not say anything and um, I, I, I mean in fact um, she did talk for the whole of her three minutes in the end um, so it did work <laughs> so I, I just um, I just wanted to share that
0: thanks so much other questions or comments great. Great stuff so far.
3: One thing that I found helpful with the
2: sponsor um, that I worked with previously was after I would talk for a period of time, she would always ask me, are you, and not every time I spoke, but would say, you know, are you interested in some feedback regarding that? And I found that helpful. And you know, for me, I always wanted feedback from her. I thought she was very wise and knowledgeable and insightful, so I certainly did. Um, but I thought it was very courteous, you know, that she would ask that. And I think that, you know, can be helpful, to, you know, and perhaps a little different
3: way of approaching it.
1: Um, I have a thought. Um, if we're here to do this to practice, sort of consciously get better at listening and things like that, then maybe in our breakout sessions, we could have time for each of us to listen and then to give feedback and also kind of critique ourselves. About how, how did that go? How did that, you know, how did I do, you know
3: what I'm trying to say? That's
0: mm-hmm. no, a great idea. If all goes well, we'll rerun these, well, however our 20 sessions or whatever it is, we'll do them again. <laughs> Somebody else, that's a good good suggestion. And you know it's kind of I, I, I remember the, the 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 reason for setting up this workshop, as I said towards the beginning, was so that it's, I mean I'd love to see some of you start sponsoring in in the Howe branch of OA that I came from. Once you had thirty days abstinence, you were ready to sponsor. Now they had a pretty rigid, a, a defined way of. You know, food plan and questions to answer, and you know it was kind of a. It was easy to sponsor in some sense. (laughs) My own sponsor. (laughs) For many years, I would read him my the questions, and that's was the extent of our interaction. After five years, he still didn't know my name (laughs) when we met. (laughs) So there are different kinds of levels of intimacy in your sponsorship, sponsee relationship, but. So I want to encourage people to sponsor, but even if you're not, that you can say, hey, I like, as we're doing with the recovery circles, and Amara, thank you for putting a reminder in there about those circles, is to encourage us to provide the kind of support that a sp- a, some of the things that a good sponsor can do to for each other right away, or wherever you are in our abstinence. You don't have to be abstinent to listen to somebody. You'll probably listen better, actually, <laughs> but it's not required. So I would really encourage you to, if you don't have this kind of resource in your, in your life, um, my sponsor says there are two aspects of recovery structure, like your food plan and your action plan and, you know, the things that you want to do and support, you know, how do you get social support to do the things that you know you want to do? And so this is in the support bucket. And I just encourage you to, if that bucket is, not full, think of how can you add in the support you need to to do the things that you need to do. And the, the test about whether you have enough support, <laughs> sadly is, are you abstinent? <laughs> you know, in other words, do you need more support to do the things that you're doing? Any other, I got another question or two, and then I have one the closing thing I wanna do.
3: Hi, this is Laura. Um, Hi, Laura. I'm a reader uh, in New York. <laughs> And I, uh, I just want to add something because I think one of the learned things that I have learned about being a sponsor is to re- is to constantly focus on the fact that I really don't have to do much uh, as a sponsor. I certainly do have to listen. I can try to explain as clearly as possible what my own experience has been with working through these 12 steps and be encouraging. But on the other hand, uh, I really to always appreciate that every person's journey through this process is very different and also completely ongoing. It never stops. And that's why I'm still in this program is because it it as long as I stay in it, I keep getting healthier. I know when I drop and, I, and if I ever drop out, I will go back to being uh, in hell. So uh, that's what I wanted to add is, uh, thank you, Laura in New York. Cool. Pass.
0: So the one thing I wanted to add is, Uh, and these comments have been great, is that uh, the title for this was listening skills. And really it was more like a listening tool would have been more accurate because this is one, you know, the uninterrupted time turns using a timer and being, and encouraging, well, maybe there are two, and and encouraging the feelings are okay. But there are lots of other things about listening that you've heard. And at the end of that URL, I couldn't find the ideal references, but one other approach to communications is called nonviolent communication. I'm I'm familiar with it, but I'm not a practitioner. I mean, people get really good at that, but you can learn the basics really easy. And particularly for conversations, that's good about teaching you to uh, distinguish observing actual experience from your feelings and expressing your needs and stuff. And the other, uh, Rachel sort of alluded to, I think earlier, I couldn't find the best reference for this, but there is a reference on what are the roles, what do people do in the communication process? And one of them that's really important is summarizing or paraphrasing, which she gave a good example of, so that you're feeding back to people what they're, what they're saying. And that's one that fits particularly with um, this listening tool that you got here. So I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that this was one kind of piece, uh, one approach to uh, communication, I think arguably the most important, but that there's lots of other things you can do to um, work on your uh, communication skills. Thank you for joining us today. To hear recordings of other speakers in this series, visit secularovereaters.org. And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our work.